This is Neon Radio, episode 145 with Amber Ray. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Hello, hello, my fellow creatives. We're back with another episode of Neon Radio. And today's guest, we've got a returning guest. Her name is Amber Ray. And she's been one of the most listened to guests on this podcast here. And I think because she really is all about diving inward to find and express and develop your inner creativity for your outer output of creativity. So we have her on because she is releasing her new book, Choose Wonder Over Worry. And it's a guide to diving within yourself and asking the right questions to propel yourself forward in the world of creativity and get to know yourself even on a deeper level so that you can carry that out in your own creative journey. Check it out. She is doing a book tour. So get on that. You can check her website out. I'm going to buy a copy, have her sign it, and we're going to give it away. So if you're listening to this podcast, that's the first step. The second step is to go over to the Neon Life community over at neonlife.com slash community. That's N-I-O-N life.com slash community. Join the Facebook group and post what your biggest question is in the creative journey. And we will choose a winner from there. Also, if you haven't done so, go over and take the Neon Life quiz and let us get to know you more so we can deliver better content to you. You can do that over at neonlife.com slash quiz. That's N-I-O-N life.com slash quiz. Take the quiz, 10 quick questions, very easy to do. And it's been fun getting to know all of you who have done it. And I think what's really amazing to know is that a lot of people, a lot of you guys have similar questions. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. We're all in this together. We're all feeling the ups and downs of this creative journey, making a living with your art. It's it's not easy. It's not an easy one to stay creative every day. Create something every day, even if it sucks. And remember that. Uh, keep creating. Keep creating. Amber is an amazing writer. If you haven't seen her checked out her Instagram. It's Hey Amber Ray. She writes profound, amazing, creative journey statements on there that will help catalyze you every day. Also, you can go over to choosewonder.com to check out the book. It's coming out and I think you should get it. So with that, I bring to you the one, the only, Miss Amber Ray. We are back with another episode of Neon Radio, and I'm excited to have Amber Ray on the show for the third time. (laughs) We love having Amber on the show, and she talks all about art and soul. Ooh. Yeah, art and soul. I like that. And uh, bringing more soul into the art Mm. and art into the soul. Ooh. See, we didn't have this beginning last time. No, we didn't. No. This is, we're, we're, we're just channeling right we're now. Flowing. We're, <laughs> we're flowing. We're flowing. <laughs> Amber's new book is coming out, Choose Wonder Over Worry, 
We're very excited for you. I'm very excited for you. I'm, Thank you. It's been a long time in the making. In fact, our last podcast was on the exact subject, except it was just in the ether form of your consciousness. And yeah. now it will be in book form. Yeah. So very exciting. Yeah. So I want to hear the story from how that percolated from mm. the idea to now what is a book. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful to your podcast because it was one of the key moments of me taking this ethereal idea and crystallizing it into a concept that I could talk about. And so our last episode was a experiment in me doing that. And the idea was just becoming a talk. I was just getting on stages. And then ultimately I went to this workshop with Elizabeth Gilbert right around my 31st birthday. And what was interesting about that birthday is I woke up and I felt sad. Hmm. And I remember, you know, in, in years past, I would have completely bypassed and pushed that emotion away and been like, happy, 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 part of the birthday. <laughs> like, where's the champagne? And I'd been doing a lot of more of the inner work. And so I opened my journal and I wrote at the top of the page, like, hey, sadness, what is it that you want me to know? Knowing that in this emotion, there was an insight for me if I just turned toward it rather than push it away. Yeah. And what sadness said to me is sadness said, uh, you're playing small and I'm sick of it. Mm. You're hiding, stop hiding. And this is really interesting because, you know, this whole message of choosing wonder over worry, worry is this inner critic voice that you're not good enough, you're not ready enough, who are you to do this? And, you know, that we can all find ourselves caught in, and I was finding myself caught in. And wonder is like the curious inner guy that's like, give it a try, let's see what's possible, come on, go for it. And uh, right after my, my birthday, my fiance Farhad had gifted me a experience with Elizabeth Gilbert and Rob Bell to go to a workshop with them. Wow. And this was a time when I was like, focusing on this idea and doing talks and doing interactive art and kind of starting a podcast and like wanting to do all this travel and like I had so much on my plate and a woman in the audience asked Liz, you know, how do you do it all? How do you get everything that you, you know, dream of doing and how do you accomplish all of it? Yeah. And she told us a story about how when she was an emerging writer, she was telling this, this wise older woman that, you know, she didn't have enough time to do her writing and do the things that really mattered. And the woman turned to her and she said, what are you willing to give up to live the life that you say that you want? Hmm. And Liz said, okay, well, that's easy. I can like give up, uh, you know, these habits of like negative self-talk and I can give up all these things I don't really like doing, these obligations I think I'm supposed to do. And the woman stopped her and she said, no, what are you willing to give up that you do want for the thing that you want the most? Oh. And that like really hit me in that moment because I, I realized that the sadness was because I wasn't really committing or focusing on the one thing that mattered the most and mm. I was hiding from the book. And the book was always the thing for me, you know, since I was a kid I've been writing and the thing I was the most afraid of. And so I went home after that workshop and I made two lists and one was I want this and the second list was I want this even more. And so on the I want this list was, you know, there were like 17 things. <laughs> I wanted all the things. Uh-oh. And then on the second list, it was literally my book and bookstores. And so that was November of 2016, so about a year and a half ago now. And I essentially, in that moment, decided I need to commit and go all in. And so, you know, the biggest difference between when I taught, when I was here last and, and now is I committed and I went all in on the thing that mattered more than all the other things. Mm. And so I 
paused a podcast. I said no to a few projects I was really excited about. I uh, canceled a trip to Bali very hard. <laughs> I heard that when you go to Bali, you never come back. <laughs> well, I wrote my book there, but I stayed for two and a half months. But So Bali happened. Just you almost not, didn't come back. I almost didn't come back. That's true. That's true. I had a really hard time coming. They forced me out of the country, actually. Um, <laughs> different story. Uh, <laughs> and so... You know, how, how it happened was that full force commitment. And then I sat down and in three weeks I wrote the proposal. And the day I finished the proposal with you, we went to see Sarah Jones's play, Buy, Sell, Trade. Yes. And in the audience was Liz Gilbert. The day I finished the proposal after, so it was like three Whoa. weeks prior, she was a catalyst. And then I see her 10 feet from me in the audience. And for me, that was an omen and a sign. Right. Plus it was the 333rd day of the year and there were 33 days left and I really liked the number three. <laughs> well, then we met her after. <laughs> and then we met her after and I was like, I was a little fangirl. I, um, you were kind of fangirling, not going to lie. <laughs> no, I screamed her name across the place when I recognized it was her. Liz! I think she was a little terrified, perhaps, but no, she hugged me and we had a great, we had a moment. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, there's, it's actually funny, like fast forward, I then found myself, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We both happened, I went to a different retreat of hers like a couple months ago. We both happened to stay longer and get massages at the same time, and so we ended up naked in a in a like changing room together after where I was telling her the update of now I handed in my manuscript so it was like see Liz like I finished my first draft of my proposal now I handed in my manuscript I'm like I can't make this up <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> so so thank you Liz for being a little spirit guide for me I like that I like that and now we're here. And now we're here. Now we're here. Wow. Now it's happening. Now it's happening so from there you will reverse I mean you got the Sarah, the book agent. Yeah. So, yeah, the first part was, of course, finish the proposal. I sent it to, I think, eight or nine different agents that I got introductions into and then went with the one that I felt the most resonance with. Mm -hmm. uh, went through a few. I had one agent tell me to go on an egoless journey for three or four more years before I give any more thought to a book. Oh. <laughs> so there was definitely some um, really hard to swallow rejection in that process. An egoless journey. An egoless journey. I was like, what? <laughs> Where is this coming from? And it was because I asked him I asked him a few follow-up questions about his process, and that's when he was like, egoless, egoless mm. journey. And I was like, all right, you're wow. clearly not my person. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, and then finding that right agent really helped to solidify the full proposal, and then we took it to 29 publishers, had a number of meetings, the book went into auction, and then went with, the, went with one of them. Wow. And what, what was, so what was the proposal writing process like for you? Yeah, you know, the proposal writing process was, I'm actually, the, the writing process as a whole, and I think this relates to anyone who's in any phase of the creative process, is that I feel like it's like an onion and we have to, we're peeling back the layers and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that, you know, we're going deeper and deeper inside of ourselves and then being able to take that and be able to turn it into something tangible that can be shared with others. And so the proposal for me felt like, I mean, it was, I think, 90 pages long. We spent like four months on it. I wrote the book in two and a half months and I spent four months on the proposal. Wow. But I wrote the book in two and a half months because I spent four months on the proposal. But what was interesting is that the proposal was, I, I did not even look at it in the process of writing the book, but the, the service that the proposal gave me is it helped me peel back those first three layers of the onion. And like, it, it was almost like what I had to get out of the way to really be able to access the deeper, raw, 
I think, stronger style of writing that yeah. I couldn't have gotten to had I not gone through the process of writing a bunch of like really shitty. <laughs> I mean, it was fine, it was good, like clearly like it helped me get the deal. Yeah. But I, it wasn't, um, I feel like I got to my best work once I actually sat down in Bali to write the manuscript. Yeah, you have to like take the time to... To like hone it. And it's like, every. I mean, every day I was writing for eight hours six to eight hours. So, I mean, I was just like writing to the point where then it's like you access this part of you and I didn't even feel like I was writing anymore. I felt like I was just like listening to what wanted to come through, listening and and seeing what wanted to emerge rather than being like, I feel like in the beginning, and Julia Cameron talks about this in The Artist's Way, she says that eavesdrop don't invent because whenever we're trying to invent, we're always striving for something that's just beyond our reach. Mm. So we're trying to invent a sentence that sounds clever, invent a photograph that like is the mark of our best work. And like we're always like <laughs> reaching for this thing. When when we eavesdrop, we are more paying attention to what's happening and what's present with us. Yeah. So like in the writing process, you know, my perfectionist came up all the time being like, you can't say that, you can't go there, people mm. are gonna judge you. And then I'd be like, I'd, I'd literally write it on the page, you can't say that, people are gonna judge you. And then I'd be like, okay, if someone was dealing this, what would I tell them? Right. So I'd like take my insecurity or my worry voice, yeah. and then I would wonder it, like yeah. real time. So I was like real time, like working through my own shit while packaging it for other people to work through their shit too. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's interesting because I, so first of all, let's d- break down the idea of, of window over worry for those who haven't heard the, the previous podcast. And then I wanna hear, how that relates to the story of writing it, because I know you went through this whole like <laughs> crazy story that forced you to live the message. Yeah. So choose wonder over worry. You know, it's a nice feel good message, and you know, it, at the surface layer, it could be choose curiosity of what's possible over fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And then as we go deeper and deeper, the way I like to think of worry and wonder is these two characters inside of our head, mm-hmm. and worry is that anxious inner critic you're not good enough, you can't do that, people will judge you, who the hell do you think you are, you don't have the credibility or the credentials to be able to do that. The, the voice that just holds us back and keeps us playing small. And then there's the other voice, which is wonder, which is our curious inner guide, which is both like, you know, the encouraging voice of like, if not you, then who? And why the hell not can't you pursue that? Yeah. And also like, hmm, wonder, wonder's there when we're, we feel, it's like wondering about our worries, wondering about our uncomfortable emotions. Like when we feel the sadness, rather than being like, I'm gonna push that away and just be positive, it's actually like, hmm, what is sadness wanting to tell me? And so like the approach of the book is like, how do we embrace all of our messy and uncomfortable emotions and treat them as allies on our path rather than enemies that are trying to hurt us. Mm. And so it's how do we actually wonder about these different aspects of ourselves? Yeah, yeah. And like, and that's not the book I thought I was writing and that's not the message I thought I was telling until I went through that in the writing process. Interesting. So <laughs> what, what did you think you were writing in the beginning? I thought I was writing more of a like, uplift I mean the book is still of course uplifting but I think I think I thought it was going to be more about I thought it was more of an external journey and the book ended up being more of an internal one mm. meaning you know wonder we can think of looking with eyes with wonder at the world around us following the clues and the synchronicities and while that's still of course in there what ended up happening as I was writing you know writing the book is that I had these like 
at one point I had a lot of grief come up and I was like, where is this grief coming from? And then I would choose wonder about the grief, get curious about the grief, and then that would unlock something in me. Oh, and so it was like I was in this maze unlocking all these different doors in, inside myself. And then through that, that led me to design the book in a way that that could be the journey for the reader. So like I could have, and what's like so cool about the creative process is that I could have never thought that up in advance of going through it. So like something that, I remember I read something that Ryan Holiday, which I love his work, but he said, don't start writing a book unless you have the structure. Like he doesn't write one sentence of his book until he knows exactly what he's writing. Interesting. Like that did not work for me. <laughs> I was like trying to like like forcing myself to know a structure, know what I'm writing, which is really what the proposal was. But finally I had to like push that to the side and be like, wonder, where do you want to explore today? What story are you aching to tell? What is like dying to move through? Mm. And it was from that place that I had way juicier writing. Yeah. And it ended up, the writing in the book took me on my own wonder journey. Right. And then ended up creating a structure that, again, I couldn't have predicted. Yeah. And I had a fellow author who I really love and respect read the book recently, and she said to me, I've never seen a book formatted this way before. And I was uh -huh. like, yeah, that's because, like, I, I wondered got me there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't have made it up. I love it. I love it. So tell me a story of what happened to force you into writing the book this way. You had Wait, a, was there some well, yeah. like what's the story? Were you you thought you had a deadline, but you oh. <laughs> you had a different deadline than you thought? Okay, yeah. So there was, I mean, there's there were a lot of moments. So I I knew I had two and a half months to write the book, and so I went to Bali and just basically immersed myself. And I knew, you know, there was a fear through that of will I have enough time? The worry was, do you have enough time? To the point where I like imagined a dog named Time running around and I would pet Time anytime I felt anxious. This is what I'm talking about, like weird. I was like in Bali and did not drink, <laughs> did not drink alcohol for two and a half months. Wow. Did not like, I was like doing yoga every day, meditating and writing and I was like starting to like see things and I'm like, am I losing my mind or is this the creative process? <laughs> but yeah, there came a point where my, the day I thought my book was due, the manuscript, the editor moved it up a few weeks and I went into like a full-blown panic, of course. And it, it ended up turning out that she was leaving the company. And so she wanted to package everything into a really neat bow before, you know, passing it off. But I didn't know that. And so I ended up having a lot more time than I thought I did. But that forced deadline first sent me spiraling into anxiety, but then eventually had forced me to birth something that I don't think I would have otherwise. Is that the story you were thinking? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's, that's the story I was talking I'm about. Like, there's there's a couple stories. <laughs> but like when when that happened, like what came up for you? Like what? How did that force you into really exploring oh. the message even deeper? Yeah. Well, it brought all my anxieties to the surface. It like brought all my fears about the quality. Like what what went through my mind is that I'm not gonna be able to write a good enough book. Um, I'm not gonna have enough time to do it. I'm gonna fail, everyone's gonna hate me, and I'm gonna disappoint the world and myself. <laughs> it was like, what I like to, what I love to say about worry is that worry is like the drama queen inside of our head. Like, if I make one mistake, everything's over. <laughs> right. You know, like, or like one, if it's moved up a few weeks, like life is, it just ending. And so worry got super, super dramatic. And um, what that forced me to do is I realized that 
I, up until that point, to some extent, I had been writing the book from a place of worry and not wonder. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so, wow. I, this is gonna sound crazy, but this is what really happened. <laughs> So I went to a yoga nindra class, and in that class, it's like a guided visualization. And in that visualization, I visualized a goddess emerging from my womb. <laughs> and the goddess basically said to me, listen, it's time to approach this book differently. Wake up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I have some love orders for you. And I was like, okay. And so I, without an alarm clock, woke up the next morning around 5.55, and got up and pulled out my journal and she said, you know, here's how you're gonna write the book. Flow, not force. See the worry voice, see the inner critic, see the fear, thank it for its opinion, and then write the way you wanna write anyway. Yeah. And so she just gave me a series of, here's the way to do it. And so once I had this character that I, this goddess that I would imagine, who I felt like was holding my hand, I felt like she was almost like my future self, like me in 20 years. You know, I would wake up and when I would have those moments, I would call in the goddess and I'd say, how do I, how do I finish this? Or I don't know where to go. And she mm -hmm. always had wisdom. And so it's like, I feel like a big part of this work and for anyone is how do we imagine that, that self 20 years from now who like loves us, believes in us, knows what we're capable of. And how do we cultivate a relationship with that part of ourselves so that we can tap into its wisdom? Wow. Wow. So that was that was the journey. Yeah, and I think it's, it's so interesting because I hear or I feel like when we tap into whatever that the universe, the source, God, or whatever you want to call it, it is when like the true stuff comes. Yeah. The truth flows. The truth flows. <laughs> the creativity flows. And yeah. I think it sounds like worry is the stuff that keeps you from that. It's yeah. like the block that keeps you from that creative flow. Yeah. And it's also, and then it's also having compassion for worry though, because worry ultimately wants to protect us and keep us safe. Mm. And so I feel like if I'm like, worry you're terrible and you need to leave, exit immediately, then worry acts out. But if I'm like, worry, I get that you like, or say my perfectionist voice, which is a form of worry. It's like, hey, I know that you want me to create really high quality work and I get this is really important to you. Thank you for caring, but you're, like hijacking this process because I feel suffocated. So I need you to let me get messy. And so it's almost like, like if we were, to, if we had a parent or a friend or a child that was acting out, it's basically like inner children inside of us acting out. <laughs> and so it's like, if a kid is acting out, you're not gonna be like, leave immediately, you suck. Right. You would say like, hey little kid, come here. What's going on? Yeah. You know, like why, what's, why are you throwing a tantrum? Talk to me. And then you'd say, that's cool. Okay, but here's how, here's how we're gonna proceed. Yeah. So it's like our adult self and our ch we have these children self who, you know, there's, it's probably, at least for me, like I feel like it was like unresolved trauma or aggression as a girl growing up, not thinking I was able to experience anger, you know, different things of my conditioning and how I was socialized and having to go back and really say, it's okay, you're safe here, come play with me. Yeah, yeah. And how have you recognized, how do you step away and recognize what those thoughts or those worries are? Yeah, I think it's any time I start to feel a little crazy or like, I mean, some of it is so obvious where it's I'm sitting in front of the computer and I'm trying to write and I literally, it's like, you suck. This is terrible. <laughs> like, then I'll, that's when I'll pause and be like, okay, so this is one of my worry voices. 
who is this? Why are they being like, why are you being mean to me? And for me, it helps to, because when it's just like a voice inside of our head or even like a tense feeling in our body. So sometimes it feels like, like, like I go into like fight or flight protect mode. It's then we're in reaction. And so it's like, how do we move from being in reaction to being a witness of the reaction? And to be a witness of the reaction, for me, what I've done is, is create these characters and these archetypes. Mm. So when it's fighter Amber, I'm like, okay, what is, what's up fighter Amber? You know, yeah. or if it's like the perfectionist who I've named Grace, like, okay, I know this is Grace right now. <laughs> Why is she named Grace? <laughs> I don't know. She she told me her name was Grace. Because I'll say like, and this you know this is this has been a like for five years I've been like talking to, and getting to know these characters. But you know Grace is this. She has like short blonde hair and she's British. And she's like Amber. I don't like that. It's not very good. And everyone's going to hate it. You should stop now. And <laughs> I love it. They take on these like characters. So when we like feel, you know, it's like, okay, so how do we break that down? But like when we feel the tension or we start to notice that we're telling ourselves we suck or whatever it is, we can pause and say, okay, I'm going to be a witness to this and just notice, okay, the voice is saying this or the feeling I'm experiencing is this. Mm. And then from that, how would I characterize what I'm experiencing right now? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's, oh, I'm feeling shame. Maybe it's, um, I'm feeling imposter syndrome. And when we can characterize what it is, then we can say, okay, we can dialogue with it and say, yeah. okay, what is it that you want me to know? What is it that you're trying to tell me? Yeah. And then that's like, that's when it becomes not just a thought inside of our head or a feeling inside of our body, but a character that we have distance from and can dialogue with. Right. What was that Pixar movie? Inside Out. Inside Out, yes. One of the best movies ever. So when it's, I saw that movie, I was like... <laughs> it's the exact concept that you're talking yes. about. I was like, yeah. this, is, this is a cartoon of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> they all have names. Yeah. They all talk to you. They all say things that exactly. take you away from your, your true wonder. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and what I love about, you know, because wonder and worry could sort of be, I know they have joy as one of the characters in sadness. Mm -hmm. And there's what I love in the, you know, joy just wants to keep everything happy and positive, which... A big part of my work is that, you know, I think we actually live in a positivity-obsessed society where positivity is, is the ruler when sometimes positivity can become harmful. Because mm -hmm. if joy is just joyous all the time, I, I remember there's one point in Inside Out where she draws a circle around sadness and says you're not allowed to leave. Mm. And so sadness gets extra sad because <laughs> sadness is like, I just want to be understood. And joy's like, go away, because you're like making me not feel joyful. And so I think that can even happen, um, and this is what I talk about in the book, with wonder and worry. Worry without wonder is paralyzed and anxious and never taking action. But wonder without worry could be overcommitted and overzealous and overly like optimistic mm. without really thinking about the realities or practicalities of anything that you pursue. Which is when I introduce another character, which is wisdom. Oh, wisdom. And wisdom knows how to understand worry's anxiety, see wonder's curiosities, and say, what is the right next move? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I want to do like a, there's like, I feel like there's children's books, Broadway plays. <laughs> I know, there's I like, like so much. I feel like totally do a children's book with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that idea because like, where, how do you, I think wisdom is the, the one character that comes through time. Yeah. And you learn how to, to balance the difference between wonder and worry because you have to have, you know, you have to have both. And I think, especially with creativity, 
you know, wonder should lead the way. But I mean, I can tell you even with myself lately that worry has gotten in the way and it's been, it's been tough and you really have to understand what those worries are and still keep coming from a space of wonder. And even, you know, and then you get, I think money and making money with your art and like that adds to the whole mix, right? Mm -hmm. Like how have mm -hmm. you dealt with that? The bringing wisdom into it and knowing how to rein yourself in. Mm -hmm. So I think, and just before I go into that a little bit, it's, you know, I feel like in, in life, it's always about this divine integration or this sacred union of our parts. And so like wisdom is like saying, worry, it's okay, you're allowed here and wonder, it's okay, you're allowed here, let's all play together. But so like practically, how does that look in everyday life if I'm like, you know, in reaction to worry. So anytime fear or worry is taking over me, I'm in reaction mode. I'm not centered. I'm not in my body. I'm like, my thoughts are blazing. And from that place, I won't make decisions or choices that are congruent with my truth. Mm. And so the first thing I'll do is like reground. And this, this happened, you know, in the last few months around this book, I was traveling a ton. I was like building a team around this book and I had so much on my plate. I started to feel overwhelmed and crazy. And I literally, I felt really off balance and my worries and fears were getting really, really loud. And I realized, whoa, like the first step is recenter myself. And so whether that's through rituals like journaling or meditation or yoga or just like eating the right foods at the right times, it's usually the really simple things like take care of yourself <laughs> in small basic ways. Like then I start to feel recentered and that's when I can actually say, okay, yes, my fear is strong. And am I gonna come from fear or am I gonna come from curiosity and wonder? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just a, a process of, of restabilizing and recentering. And then like, I remember when I saw Oprah speak at the UN, she said that when she started her network, it went not how she expected. It like mm. did not take off in the way she thought it would take off. It did not like, you know, she had done the same thing for 35 years or however long it was. And then she like started this whole new thing and found herself a little bit over her head. And, and she said she was in this really dark place where her, she called it little person voice, which basically the worry voice was right. like really loud. And she had this realization of like, wait, what's just my next right move? And so sometimes I think when fear and worry are really loud, it's because we're either, you know, really anxious about the past and something that happened, or we're anxious about the uncertain future that we're trying to predict and plan and strategize. And we get into analyzer mode. Mm. And so when we can like pause our like planner brain and just say, wait, right now, what is the next right move? We recenter ourselves in what we have control of, which is like our, the very, there, like, between now and our next move. Right. And so she said that she just kept taking the next move and the next move and the next move and eventually she moved out of that darkness mm. into feeling, you know, more herself and aligned. So that's the question I always return to when I feel like a crazy person <laughs> or when like fear is really, really strong is wait, what is that next right move? And sometimes that's like, go take a hot shower. <laughs> like get off your computer and phone you know yeah. and sometimes it's like you know that person that you thought about partnering with actually isn't the right person and you're anxious because it's not aligned yeah and you're lying to yourself so like get that shit back in alignment yeah absolutely so what would you say to the artist who is struggling with money mm. and what is that next move yeah. if they're struggling to put food on the table 
It's a great question. It's it's funny because literally before this, I was meeting with an artist who like is really struggling to make ends meet, and we had to figure out like, you know, he has all these creative ideas and all these things he wants to do, but you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs <laughs> until we feel a sense of, and sometimes it's a feeling, a sense of security and stability. And sometimes it's like, no, we actually need to create that financial security and stability. So, I mean, whether that's like taking a part-time job or, you know, I think that's when it's, you have to get realistic with yourself about, for every person it's different, yeah. but like, what are the opportunities? Some people it's like, you know, a bartending job. Sometimes it's, they have low hanging fruit around a skill that they have that they know it earns money and it becomes a part-time thing yeah. just to fund um, to the next phase. I know Marie Forleo calls them BJs. Oh yes. <laughs> bridge jobs, right. which are like, what is that bridge job that, I mean, I often say like, find something that is at least with, or try to find something that's at least with a person doing what you'd like to be doing or some sort of aligned field or like working in the right environment or with the right people. Cause from there, like that sort of bridge job can give you the experience to be able to catapult and to eventually do your own thing. Yeah, love that, Yeah, love that. So when you're say figuring out the next, the next move, you know, you've always been a, a person who listens to their intuition. How do you listen to your intuition? Like, how do you tell the difference between intuition and one of your characters? Yeah, that's great. I just had a thought about the money piece. Can I go back to that for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think what's also interesting about not having, so there was a point in my career when I had negative $3.47 in my account. Wow. And I had moved from San Francisco to New York, sold everything I owned, decided I'm going to like, I like full start rapid change and here I was nine months in and I've spent all my money and I have no idea how I'm making money and I had this moment where it actually for me it woke me up and it, I, I had a lot of demand of people emailing me asking me about how I had made changes in my life and career and so not having the money forced me to take action on this low-hanging fruit that I otherwise kept, would have kept pushing off. And so I started something called the Passion Experiment, basically worked with individuals for four weeks to figure out what did they, where did they want to be more courageous, yeah. what changes could they make. And so sometimes like, you know, it's hard and it's terrifying when you don't have any, when you're in the negative. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and like sometimes it can be the catalyst to be like, wait, what is the low hanging fruit here? What what have people been asking me for over and over? And like how, because that's demand. And then how do I meet that demand through something creative that serves them? Ooh. So I'd ask people like, what do pe people keep asking you for? And then how can you create an offering around that that serves them? Yeah, I like that. So, okay, now we can move to intuition. Okay. Let's jump to intuition. <laughs> I like that though. That's a, that's a very great piece of advice. So on the intuition front, yeah, this is a question that I am asking myself a lot because sometimes there's the like knowing, like I knew it was time to focus on the book. I knew I had delayed focusing on the book. I knew that, you know, there are times when you just know and then there's times where the knowing gets um, hazy like where I've, you know, where maybe my fiance is pursuing an opportunity and I have a reaction to it. And I feel like intuitively this isn't like I have such a strong opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to realize is that when it's really loud and strong, that's not intuition, that's fear. 
Oh, interesting. And so intuition is this more quiet, softer, calmer. Like it's like the the small nudges, and you know sometimes those like whispers can become louder and louder when we don't listen because that's our fear saying, "Hey, you're not listening to me." But oftentimes when we have something that's so emotional and filled with a lot of like feeling, that's usually not intuition. And so I can hear my intuition when I'm. You know, calm and quiet with myself, whether that's journaling or meditating or being guided through visualization or some experience like that, when my body feels really relaxed,、mm. and that's when my intuition speaks. Otherwise, I feel like my intuition is actually being colored by a lot of emotion and reaction, and I can't fully hear what she's saying, and I'll I will misinterpret. Like fear as intuition, and then like create a whole story about something not being right, <laughs> when really that's because it's more my shit、yeah. to look at. So you're justifying against your intuition. It's like Farhad, you shouldn't do that because my intuition says so, and I'm angry. Like, and I'm like, well, okay, and that's definitely projecting right now onto him. <laughs> <laughs> Projection.、Uh, so much stuff happens when we project. Yeah. What we think onto others. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Now the book comes out when May fifteenth. May fifteenth. It's, so it's I, creeping up. So I feel、up. like when we're when, I don't know when this is going live, but it'll probably be around May. Right around the time. So it's available now. It's, a, it's available now, whether it's pre-order or physical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now that you've got the book coming out, what's the next? I mean, that's like that was the project of the last year. Yeah. So what are you working at? What's the next? I mean, you're going to be promoting the book for a while, but what are you what are you thinking next in terms of creativity and, and projects? So there's, I've the, what's really interesting that I've realized over the last few months is I always thought of myself as a creative, and I've realized that I'm a leader, and that's a part of myself. Like I'm actually like a CEO and a businesswoman as much as I'm a creative,、mm. which I never would have thought. And but having four people working for me, two publishers, there's 20 of us total. Like it's full on and setting forth the vision and the strategy and making sure everyone's inspired and making sure money's coming in. Like that's what a CEO does. Right. And so I've really actually found confidence in that, which has been really cool. And so on one side, I'm thinking like, okay, so book one leads to book two, leads to the whole speaking circuit, which leads to something we're doing with the book is we're creating circles,、mm. which are these I call them brave spaces. So eight to fifteen people are coming together to talk about their worry, their wonder, their curiosity, their fear, like what's real in their life and business, and having this like really vulnerable space. And so we have twelve of those piloting around the world. And、wow. so my hope is that that becomes like a global thing where hundreds of thousands of people are meeting every month to talk about, you know, wh- where they're at. Yeah. So that's part of the whole wonder movement. And then I'm imagining, and I've just been exploring more of like a boutique coaching network, which、hmm. would be because I have so much demand for one-on-one coaching. Really, you? <laughs> And I don't do one-on-one anymore, but I know a lot of incredible people who do. And so, creating wonder coaches who have specialized, like someone who focuses on relationships and intimacy, someone who、mm. focuses on creativity, someone who focuses on like businesses and investing, these different focuses to guide people to level up wherever they're at. So that's something that that's more just like an idea that I was talking about with someone earlier today. But I, I see a lot of like business opportunity, and then creatively, like I'm dying to do spoken word poetry,、really? and more and more painted poetry, and all of that. 
And so it's it's interesting. Yeah, I see like businesswoman, business Ray and artist Ray starting to play together. <laughs> oh, I like that. It sounds it's kind of like your the the uh, the wisdom piece, right? Like you're combining both sides. Totally, totally. I like that. I and like I that. you know I think the biggest lesson is it was eight or nine years ago when I started coaching people and working with them one-on-one when I had negative $3.27 in my account and turned that into a thriving business. And then basically was coaching, doing retreats, masterminds, and got burnt out being a coach for others and decided, wait, I'm a creative too. I'm coaching all these creatives. I want to be creative. And so I went through like that path. And then I went through, I'm a creative, I'm an artist. I did it, I do all these things. And now it's like, I'm bringing them together which I always like, I think of, and this happens in our career, there's like a pendulum of we swing really strong one way, we swing really strong the other way, and then we find our balance as we integrate all the parts. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, for creatives on their path, if they're feeling like, because at one point I I felt like I was crazy because I had all these curiosities, (laughs) and I was like a hummingbird, like going around to all of them. And I realized that the because I have these experience in these different domains, now it's taken me a decade, but now a decade later, I'm piecing them all together into a really cohesive and compelling whole that's different than what other people are offering. And so that's what I think is so cool about the creative process is that we take what inspires us and we make something that's uniquely us. Yeah. And I feel like you do like with your podcast, with your jewelry, like with, you know, your photography, like you've created this whole creative brand where you're pulling all of your curiosities. All over the place. <laughs> no, but it like, it makes sense. It's a lifestyle brand with various, with products, yeah. with content and with photography. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I've been all over the place, but I'm like trying to rein it all in. <laughs> you know, what is that kind of more focus and... Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I know what that is quite yet. I think it's it'll all come together. You know, photography's always been the first and primary passion and medium, but I love so many other things. So it's like, how do it's like that trick is like then our first opening question. I'm like, oh man, do I have to like choose one? Like, <laughs> what am oh, I gonna yeah. do? What am I gonna oh, do? Okay. This is this is this is great. This is great because I and I'm I'm glad you brought this up because there's. You know, in the beginning, I talked about pick the one thing. But before you, like, in any creative process, there's design or discover, design, deliver. And so when we're in the discovery phase of our life, we're exploring all the things. And actually choosing one thing is not necessarily what is aligned for our path. Mm. And then it comes to the point when we decide, okay, I'm going to really define and deliver a certain thing. And so I think it's really important to remember that like sometimes you're in the discovery phase and sometimes you're in the like one thing, shipping it, focusing, going all in. And so not making yourself wrong when you're in either place is really, really important. And then, but it's also recognizing when you've gone too far in discovery and it's time to reel it in or when you've like reeled it in too much and it's time to open. Like it's, again, it's this balance. Yeah. And Liz Gilbert actually talks about uh, the way she's described it is that some people are hummingbirds and some people are jackhammers. Like a hummingbird is the person who has all these like different curiosities and cross pollinates mm-hmm. to create something unique. And a jackhammer is someone who like really goes in deep on one thing. Uh, but I also think to build on that, we can be hummingbirds and jackhammers at different parts of our lives. And so it's like, I'm it. in the jackhammer phase right now with this book. Like it's the one only thing that I decided yeah. to devote to over you know the last year and a half and really the next 
foreseeable year. But now, now that it's out and I went all in, now I see all the like, all the threads of all the other things and how it ties into this larger whole. So now it's time to be a little bit of a hummingbird again. <laughs> now you can play. <laughs> now I can play. My hummingbird's like, oh, I'm so excited, thank you. <laughs> I kind of miss this. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So it's kind of like about exploring and exploring and then like finding it and focusing, even if it's like for a short amount of time, really like diving into that, that one space that you're, that you're intuitively feeling. Totally. And there can be like, I love that because when we think about the structure of our, our time, it could be in a week we have two hummingbird days and three jackhammer days. You know what I mean? Where it's like three days where I'm like all in on like photography and two days where I'm like working on the creative art and stuff like that. So it's like it's just a matter of how we structure our time. And that could be I'm going to go all in for the next year or I'm going to go all in for the next day or the next hour or the next week. Yeah. It's just more of like a sense of intentionality around the time because I realize like for me and I used to hate structure before, but having like, like I have the point now where from 1130 until 1pm every day, I'm online doing emails with my assistant. Mm -hmm. And like having that structure every day has been game changing. It's something that I would have re resisted in the past. But it's like having the structure that allows us to feel expansive and allows our creativity to thrive. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think it's interesting about it's like creating that sandbox and giving yourself that's uh, like being able to like, give yourself the play time, but then also the jackhammer time, but then also like the the money time, because you gotta have the money to create the sandbox. Totally. So some of, the, some of that can be done, you know, in bigger chunks, but I think it's always about buying your time or paying for your time to create. Yeah, 100%. I love it, yeah. I love it. Well, it was exciting to have you on again. Thank you so, so much. And where can people find the book? And I know you have Choosewonder.com. Choosewonder.com. And the book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every indie bookstore. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. But you're going to be everywhere. You already are everywhere, but you're going to be everywhere. Yeah, but... Even more. <laughs> more so. Uh, and where can people find you on Instagram and, and follow you? Instagram, hey Amber Ray, H-E-Y Amber Ray. And then uh, actually I have a new personal website that I just launched, amberray.com. Oh, yeah. look at you. Finally, have the two. I, I, did, I kept going, I know we talked about this a lot. Yeah. Because like, people were like, just have your book be all under Amber Ray. And I was like, that doesn't, they're like, that's how most authors do it. But I, and I, I feel like we share this. It's like, I wanted the me place and the we place. Yeah. Like something that's like, yes, about me as an author, speaker, artist, but something that's bigger than that, that can become a movement. Yeah, amazing. So. I love it. Well, yeah. thanks again. So fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio with Amber Ray. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, or love it, if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes, help get the word out there, share the episode on social media. You can do that at neonradio.com slash EP145. That's the quick link. So share that on the Twitter sphere, the Facebook sphere, and all that good stuff. Don't forget to go over to choosewonder.com to check out Amber's new book. Follow her over at Hey Amber Ray on Instagram and get all of her great nuggets of creative wisdom. So with that, don't forget to go out and create your life by creating every small moment and we'll see you next time.